Welcome to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where our gang of sci-fi fans will boldly go where few fans have gone before. Okay, not really, but we'll have fun discussing and interacting with our favorite shows and films from all over the sci-fi universe. We love Trek the most, but our love for Trek means we have a great appreciation for sci-fi in general. Join our panel of sci-fi fans from all over North America and beyond as we share our opinions and thoughts on this deep and incredibly diverse genre of storytelling. Our mission here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast is to entertain and have fun, so you'll hear all types of views in a light and fun atmosphere. If you love sci-fi, this is the perfect space station for you to dock at. We invite you to come aboard and stay a while. You've got friends right here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm Brian Donahue, your temporary host for this week. And I'm here tonight with Chris Fox and Adina Minonia. And uh, we're going to have some fun talking about, we've titled this episode, The Trauma of Picard slash The Cost of Leadership. That's way too long a title, but I can't help it. It's just who I am. So there you go. How are you guys doing today? Can you introduce yourselves once more to our listeners who maybe are jumping on for the first time today? This is their first episode. Tell them what you want people to know about you guys. Sure. I'm Adina Mignona, a science fiction author with a book out called Crazy Foolish Robots and a huge Star Trek and science fiction nerd. That's about it. (laughs) I'm Christian Fox. Uh, I'm a big sci-fi nerd. Of course, that's why I'm on the show. I have my own podcast called Yelling About Star Trek, and I do conflict resolution as my day job, which is inspired by Captain Picard. Awesome. Awesome. And we are missing uh, one of our fearless crew members tonight, Steve Milken, who is performing his civic duty uh, in jury duty um, out in L.A. And so he sends his greetings. He may jump in with us here partway through if he gets home in time. Uh, and uh, so you might still hear him on this podcast. But uh, if not, uh, we are missing him on this week's edition. And we've got an interesting episode each week as we plan for the upcoming podcast we take turns hosting and also picking what we talk about uh, which is kind of fun because we never know what the other people are going to pick and we so oftentimes get to watch new stuff as a result of that too um, and so I have always been interested in Picard's trauma uh, throughout the series and the movies because he goes through some pretty hardcore mm-hmm. stuff and being um, a guy who's in various different leadership roles in my career, um, it, I'm very interested in what in leadership stuff and what drives leadership and what is behind it. Um, and so Picard has always been one of my heroes uh, when I think about television and sci-fi in particular and how he leads um, in particular has always been interesting to me. I know Chris has been inspired from Picard uh, just from for his career even too so we're going to focus on a few episodes and films uh, just generally speaking as we answer a few questions around um, the trauma of Picard or the cost of leadership we're going to focus on for those of you listening if you want to um, write this down and watch these uh, the best of both worlds part one and two from the next gen And then the very next episode in that line, Family, which is season four, episode two, 
Um, great episode about Picard going back home and kind of recouping and learning a little bit about himself and healing a little bit. And then the Next Generation episode, The Inner Light, one of the classic, many fans list that as their favorite all-time Next Gen episode. That's season five, episode 25. And then the Next Gen uh, two-parter, Chain of Command, which is season six. Uh, very interesting episode we'll dive into, two-part episode. And then a couple scenes from Star Trek Generations and Star Trek First Contact. And we'll get into those. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. Um, we'll just see where our conversation leads. But we're gonna, we've just got kind of our own special um, online roundtable or living room here together as we're gathered around our microphones in our own offices or living rooms. And uh, we're just going to have a fun chat about this and maybe get a little deep, maybe laugh a little bit tonight um, and uh, share our thoughts and just have some good back and forward um, on this. So you guys, what... Go ahead. That was a long list. Should people pause and go spend the next six or seven hours <laughs> watching all that and then <laughs> is, come back? <laughs> as long as they promise to come back. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, let's, let's first of all, let's kick, that's kind of where we're headed, but let's stop and pause for a minute. Um, was there anything interesting or new you guys watched or were inspired to watch or look at this past week based of our, our, off of our last discussion? Well, let's see. Um, I, I think that was a Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. Discussion. Well, so I've been motivated. I think last time I was talking about where I was in my mandolin slash Boba Fett journey. Like I was just, you know, I caught up finally on, on, I'm sorry, mandolin, mandolin. It's been a long day. Yeah. Mandalorian. Chris is, Chris is learning the sax. You're learning how to play I'm the mandolin learning how apparently to speak today. <laughs> I'm trying um, to learn. Well, yeah. So I've, you know, gotten a little further in my Boba Fett journey. Uh, that's about it. Uh, knowing that we were going to be talking about all these episodes with Picard, I have seen all of them a lot. So I didn't feel the, mm -hmm. <laughs> the need to rewatch any of these, even though you. I think I, I might have watched the episode family again, just because I love that episode. It's a, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, uh, that that's really it. <laughs> Good. Good. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I've been watching uh, the bad batch. Because I love it. I liked yes. all the but I'm finding that while Bad Batch doesn't have the same highs necessarily as Boba Fett, it's con it's more enjoyable. Um, how do I even? I'm trying to phrase it. It's just more continuously enjoyable for the most part, and it's just like filling that void of I want more Star Wars. I miss the Clone Wars, so it's the perfect show. And then I've started working my way through Prodigy, okay. which has been interesting. Okay, I'm working my way through Prodigy as well. Bad Batch, I love it. Uh, it's a little more edgy than the Clone Wars, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, my kids love Bad Batch, though, too, so that's fun to watch that with them every now and then. Um, and another one you should check out from the Star Wars cartoon world is Resistance, mm. uh, with the Resistance fighters. Resist is it called Rebel or Rebels? No, it's called Resistance. Rebels is a different one. Oh, I'm pretty darn sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty darn sure. Yeah. There's like two. Yeah. I, think. I don't so, know. Resistance, I, don't know I think, is before, before the sequel. Trilogy, I believe you're right. And I believe yep. Rebels is before A New yep. Hope. So it's 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 and really great. I, I've I didn't think I would like it, um, just because of the animation. But I have, it's it's one my kids want to watch on Saturday morning sometimes, and I've really enjoyed it. I, I think. 
I don't think I enjoy it quite as much as Bad Batch, but um, it's it's still very very watchable as an adult and a Star Wars fan. I think they've got some pretty cool stories going. Adding on. that all to the list. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. I will say though, between between Star Wars and Star Trek, now I'm having a really hard time keeping track of timelines because all the different Star Trek shows are taking place in different times in the franchise. Same with Star Wars. It's like wait. Is this happening the same time as this other thing is happening? It's like no, no, it's like ten years before that. So it's like, oof, it takes a lot of like a lot of focus to be like, right. okay, I know when this is set. I understand mm-hmm. the timeline I've, here. I've got a ninety-five-year-old grandfather uh, who is very interested in the fact that we're podcasting and that I'm talking to you, Chris, in Canada and Adina in Maine, right? And Maryland, um, Maryland. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. And then the other M. And I meant to say Maryland. And uh, and then Steve in L.A. Um, and so he's like, wait a minute. So, you know, he's st- still the technology. Like, what do you mean you talk to them all at the same time? And um, But he is asking me about 20 times in the past six months. So tell me the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. Like, I've told him the difference. <laughs> well, how oh, much yeah. time do you have? A million have? times. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, uh, we're going to have fun tonight. And ladies and gentlemen, I I think I hear a knock on the door. I could be wrong. And yeah, we're gonna Yay. we're gonna let Steve in. Hey, we heard your knock, Steve. We're glad you joined Hello. us tonight. Hi, everybody. Sorry, I've been away uh, doing my civic duty as an American citizen by uh, being called for jury duty. Now, question is: Did you wear a Star Trek uniform when you went? No, I did not watch to and I'm, do that. I'm wondering if anyone uh, remembers it. It was like maybe 20 years ago. There was some random case. I don't think it was any particular famous, but uh, it was made famous by this uh, individual who showed up in a Star Trek in a Star Trek Next Generation uniform, and that made it news. Was she uh, in uh, interviewed in Trekkies? Because I know there was someone maybe. who was convinced they were on a starship, you, and she would yes. wear her uniform it like every time uh you would wear a suit or like military mm-hmm. people would wear their uniform. i remember that from trekking i don't uh, i gotta i'm not sure yeah. because i remember i can clearly picture when this was news when this actually was was happening because mm-hmm. I, I, I was i was excited something about star trek is in the news you know um i have to go look yeah. that up i you know i'm now i can be dead wrong and i have been dead wrong so many times in my life I'm pretty sure Chris is right. I I think it's the same person. I remember. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure it is. But we'll have to we'll have to watch. Maybe we'll follow up in a future episode with that to see who was correct. Um, but yeah. So Steve, uh, you just joined us. We just did our introduction and Perfect told timing. him what episodes we have um, watched and uh, discussed or thought upon throughout the week because these are episodes maybe we've seen many multiple times. Um, so we're going to just dive in and answer each, each of these questions, go around for each question, um, and just kind of see what fun we have and where it takes us. So, well, I'm just I'm I'm surprised and happy to uh, have not missed much, and I was prepared to uh, listen quietly in the background while you folks continued on from your discussion, but. Um, Let's go. Hey, like like they say on Full House and Fuller House, the door is always open, my friends. So 
Um, we're pleased that you're able to join us. So what people might might not know is, well, you know, on, on the evenings that we record our podcast, we might spend a little time just talking before we get started. And we were talking for a long time tonight. <laughs> yeah, we had a nice live chat. We debated uh, sitcoms. It was a yes. good discussion. I feel like I missed something. I wish I could have been a part of it. Sounds like it probably. Well, you know what? I'll be like everybody else. It'll be I'll mystery. listen to the first part of this broadcast <laughs> when it's published, and I'll just be as informed as everybody else will be when they listen as well. well. Except for the fact that I don't think we mentioned yet that we spent a lot of time talking about friends and non-science fiction before yeah. we, we started <laughs> recording. Uh, hopefully smelly camp wasn't playing in the background okay <laughs> all right well let's let's go ahead and dive in glad you're here steve glad glad you're here adina Thank and you. you chris as as usual it's it's great to be with you guys tonight um and man uh so, some of these episodes are classic star trek episodes uh they're um famous scenes from star trek first contact um and generations uh, heavy scenes, particularly with generations when Picard has learned that his family has been killed in a house fire um, and he's in his quarter with Troy and they discuss this. And we see this side of Picard we haven't seen ever before, except for maybe the episode Family, where he's with his brother and sister-in-law and his, his nephew. Um, but we really see Picard for the first time kind of at least mention a little bit of have I made the right decision here? Like, like I always thought yeah. my brother would carry on the family line and now this is affecting me in a way I didn't expect. Um, what do I do? How do I cope with this? Um, it was always something in generations. I wish they could have dived into a, just a little, another minute or two longer um, to see where that went. Well, I think the first thing it tells us is that strong people break down. You know, they're they're mm, they're, they're so only good. strong yeah. for for so long. Everyone has their moment. You know, you can't be that perfectly strong one hundred percent of the time. You're going to have your moments, and it's and one of the things I liked about that is you know it's okay, <laughs> it's okay to do that. <laughs> what what yeah. I found interesting, I didn't. Mean, I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it was just also <laughs> nice to see. Picard having a chat with Troy, because I guess we'll get into that later in this discussion, but he doesn't really utilize the fact that he has a therapist on board, given all of the situations he goes um, through. So it was a nice change to see them, so I, you know, I'll having disagree that. with that a little bit, because while we don't see, you know, full sessions, um, you know, because what we see fuller sessions with some of the other characters, right. they're definitely at the beginning of family. You know, when they're talking and, and he's telling her where he's going to go uh, at the end of chain of command, they have a discussion. So, no, he, he, oh, he does. Right. He does yeah, make use of it. We just only see the minor little hints of it, you know. Yeah, it's not necessarily him sitting down in her couch like like Lieutenant Reginald Barkley or mm-hmm. other cast members occasionally um, or other characters occasionally. It's more of a in his. In his own lounge off off the bridge, you know, yeah. when something has happened and she follows him in uh, and he turns around and is like, I guess we're talking about this <laughs> type moments. You know, right. it's more informal, um, relational, really. It, it, their relationship was really more relational where Troy could not talk, could talk to him in a way that was very respectful, that he could receive it, it too, you know, where she appreciated his position but uh, not just as a leader, 
but also his position emotionally and what he was going through in any given situation. So I, I felt like it was interesting. May I pose this question? Please. The scene in Generations, that you, and thank you, Chris, for giving me the minute and second to get to. <laughs> no, <you're welcome. laughs> it was very, very helpful. helpful. It was very helpful to get to that specific scene in the film. And I don't know. If you never saw the episode of Family, would you understand why Picard was so, why, why he had to speak to Troy about it? About the, which, d does the audience get the same feeling about the loss that Picard was going through because he's the last of the Picards because his brother and his nephew were killed in the fire? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Beca because yeah. I I'm sorry. I, you know, I saw, I've seen Generations a number of times, but without really watching Family, which I did, does it really have the impact of the loss that he's suffering with in Generations? There's probably, I'm going to, I'm probably simplifying this a, a little, a little bit, but there's probably two people, two, two types of people. There are the people who, mm -hmm watched generations who were already Star Trek Next Generation fans. So they've probably seen it. And even if they hadn't seen that episode, they've probably still seen most of Next Generation. And then there are people mm -hmm. who are not Star Trek fans who were the dates of us, <laughs> who our dates are, yeah, you know, right. and who exactly. it was, so they wouldn't have seen anything really. So I think you'll have people who yet would get it, even if they didn't a hundred percent appreciate or see that one episode. And then people who generation just, just another movie. And so, no, it's not as deep. It's not as impactful. Um, mm -hmm. But I, but mm -hmm. I think is, I think still, again, just as a movie, it still works. You don't have to have, you don't have to have seen next generation to just enjoy the movie. Just, yes, you're not going to get as, you probably won't get as much out of it. My opinion. Out of that particular scene. Well, or, or the movie in, in general. I mean, I think that's true for any movie built upon a series. If you don't know the series, you can watch the movie, but it's the people who mm -hmm. know the series are going to get, you know, they're going to get that much more out of it. Right. Right. And that's where you, that's where, is it the writers writing for the prior audience or writing for Both. the new audience? Both. Well, they, they, yeah. They talk about um, in the commentary that they really struggled trying to write for both audiences, but they were very intentional in trying to please Trekkies, but also explain things so that, mm -hmm. you know, as they kind of called out that, yeah, a lot of people will be seeing this with their partners who are fans who don't know the, the series. So they were very intentional about trying to make it accessible. Mm -hmm. It's a powerful scene just because Stuart and, Certus are such great actors mm -hmm. too. I mean, they really they really sell mm -hmm. it well. You know, we've all had loss to a certain degree. My family has experienced a very deep loss in our aunt Constance uh, just a few days ago. Um, oh, but we, you know, we it, we've all experienced loss. So I, I think it's powerful in that sense. Mm -hmm. But man, I remember seeing that as a Star Trek fan and family being, I think, one of the most beautiful episodes elegant episodes um w with great acting great writing and storytelling in it to to describe it was the perfect post best of both worlds episode it was absolutely perfect and to see the, to know that and to watch picard break down mm -hmm. 
uh, and it, it did make it more powerful as a as a trekker or trekkie, whichever you prefer. Uh, it was it was very meaningful. Mm-hmm. It was very meaningful, and and also spoke to, like like Adina said, like you know, leaders are humans people you know we have feelings right <laughs> um we we have families and we have lives outside of work and outside of whatever we're leading um and it's it's sometimes though we you know there's there's an old mantra um and i'll change the words around a little bit um but it's it's you you, you always complain up you never complain down. I think that's true. There's there's a lot of like just in lower management. Sometimes there can be a feeling of leadership like they're they just don't care about us down here, or you know, mm-hmm. man, you know, there's just a, just not a lack of understanding of what the leader is actually going through mm-hmm. in order to make everybody successful. And sometimes there are corrupt leaders. Sometimes there are leaders that are just jerks. Um, oh yes. And so you got to watch out for that. But. At the same time, a good leader, and this is what I love about Picard, and this is this is um, maybe something as we jump into question one for real here. Um, a good leader, in my opinion, is a leader that takes great joy at the success of his team, mm-hmm. at the success of other people yeah. around him, below them, you know, um, whatever. Um, that a, a great leader wants to see everybody on the team. Everybody that they're leading thrive. And really, there's this thing that hit me a few years ago that changed my life. And it said, build a stage. It said, I want to build a stage as a leader for other people. I want to let other people have the spotlight. My goal as a leader is to build a stage for other people and let them go for it. And I'll train them. I'll do whatever Mm -hmm. I can to make them successful. But really, why I'm a leader is not so that I make a name for myself and I can have the spotlight all the time so I can let other people enjoy that and see them go do that for other people as well. And I think Star Trek has some great representations in our captains mm-hmm. and commanders of leaders that strive to do that. Yeah. In yeah, my, exactly. In my day job as an engineer, for most of my career, I've been a team lead in some way, shape or form or team manager. And yeah, I mean, I've always told people my, my job when I'm in those roles is to ensure that my team can, you know, that they can do their work, that they can get the job done. And that's, that's most of what I do is I'm not actually doing anything other than making sure they can do something. And that's, yeah. And then, and then we're successful. Yeah. Well, and for me, for me, the company I worked for, for 29 years, a company called ABI, I was the operations manager. I had people working for me. But the one thing that I always believed in, and this was as strong statement as I can make, is that I never asked anyone to do something I wouldn't do myself. And I would do that myself. And I also felt that if you're going to lead people, you lead from example. And so I never asked them to do something I wouldn't do. And I always participated so they knew that we as were working as a team. And at the end, it was always, thank you. And it was always, I appreciate what you did. And everything was done. I always believe that you should lead with friendship, humor, and respect. And you do that. And you can have, people will literally walk on mm-hmm. coals for oh. you because they know you'll mm-hmm. do that as well. And, and those are the example, I mean, you know, 
in the very beginning, Picard is told you can't go on away missions, right. even though <laughs> he wants to, because he wants to lead. And sometimes well, you can't. Because again, this is probably getting a little uh, too real worldy, but you know, sometimes the, the leaders shouldn't do, even if they're willing and able and everything to do what their team can do, they shouldn't. Um, and so my example from my real life is when I've led software teams. So I'm a, I'm a software programmer, you know, I've, I've done a lot of that in my career uh, and I've led a lot of software teams, but it, it got to the point where I'm not the person to code, you know, like I can, I'm capable, I'm willing, but because I'm the the team leader, I've got these other things and my skill set is really a little different. The people mm -hmm. on the team, they're way better at, at it than me. So they should be doing it. So I feel like there's, mm -hmm. there's some of that is like, just because I am able and willing doesn't mean I should, <laughs> you know, yeah. but if it came down to it and the team needed you to, oh, if the team needed me to sure. Obviously, yes. obviously you would. Right. Yes. And, and so there's, there's a very interesting scene. We're going to get to question number one. I promise you, <laughs> Absolutely, but it yeah. just, of it, course. this, this scene struck me as so powerful and it's the tiniest quickest little back and forth between Crusher and Picard is their training in chain of command part one to go mm -hmm. to the Cardassian planet, mm -hmm. although, although Crusher and Worf don't realize they're going to a Cardassian planet and what they're doing, but they're training and they're asking all these questions. Okay. And meanwhile, on the enterprise, Riker and Jordy and the whole crew are trying to figure out, um, Admiral, uh, uh, Jellico. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and they're frustrated as heck because he's coming in in a very unique situation. Picard's all of a sudden out, out of the picture. So they're confused. They're hurting because of that. They're wondering what's happening. And he's making all these demands and they're just struggling. And they're saying he's unreasonable. And he just came in and just said, do it or get it done, right, was the line he would say to mm -hmm. Riker. Right. Yeah. Get it done, Will. Um, and his voice doing it is fantastic. Mm -hmm. He 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 pulled the I love so Ronnie great. Ducks. Yeah, and but then there's a scene when they're training where Picard and Crusher are training. Crusher's got these ideas like, why do we have to do this? Why do they have to do this? Why do we have to do this over again? And all Picard says to her very flatly, "Just trust me, Beverly." And she goes, "Okay," and they walk off and do the drill again. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to kind of what you're talking about, Steve. Is yeah. um. Dr. Crusher trusted Jean-Luc so much in his leadership, through his example, through their experiences together, um, even before they were on the Enterprise, you know, um, all that backstory, which we probably want more of as next-gen fans. Uh, I hope so. And, <laughs> and uh, But she just, it was this, this was this incredible, drastically different pictures of what they're struggling with on the Enterprise with Jellicoe. And she, he just says, trust me. And because she trusts him, she, okay. And they go do the hard thing again, mm -hmm. you know? And that's a powerful testimony. I, I think every leader strives or desires to be able to lead in such a way that, that now we need to be careful we don't abuse that trust me. Because there are some leaders that do abuse, hey, just trust me. And then you get burnt, you know, all this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And it can be negative, but a good leader that says, trust me, and because you have experience, because you have a history of seeing that, that there, I keep, I keep saying this in a, a male dominated voice. I'm really sorry. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's okay. not, it's just because mm -hmm. Picard and Je Jellico mm -hmm. here. 
I just I just thought that was a powerful contrast of leadership in this episode. And it was so quick. That scene with Picard and Crusher was so quick, but it was so powerful mm -hmm. to me. Okay, I, I do trust you. So let's go. Uh, I'm going to go get my butt kicked again climbing up this rock. Yeah. The only issue I, ha I had with that, I had a little issue with it is, again, I while I've never been in the military myself, uh, my husband is a vet. I've worked with a lot of vet. I well, worked with a lot of active duty and a lot of vets. And just because, again, Starfleet borders on this, it's sort of military, but sort of not. And that whole interaction, the fact that they're even questioning it, to me, I'm like, you guys got orders. You shouldn't be questioning this at yeah. all. So, so Picard has, shouldn't have to say anything to you. You should, and especially, and now she's a doctor in this situation. So I can, you know, fine. Worf should not, he was like complaining. It's like, no, you're a Klingon and you're a security officer. You are the last person who should be saying any, and there were a few times he, he's done that in that episode. And he did it in first contact too, when they, um, when Picard's like, hey, Worf, do you remember your zero G, you know, G combat training? And he's like, I may, remember it made me sick to my stomach, which that that's fine. But then when he like slumped down, when he realized that they were going to have to do it, I'm like, what? No. Did he? I thought he handled he it pretty slumped. well. I uh, see. He I have more of an issue with Riker. Slumped. In, well, in and that's episode. right, Riker too. Again, right. but yeah. now again, yes. Starfleet. It's just, it's not really military. It's it's pseudo. It's a military. It's pseudo. So I'll yeah, accept a little a bit, but there's a lot of again yeah. Uh, for yeah. See, I, I'd say they claim they're not a military, but they are. It's pseudo. It's I mean, the Navy. Yeah, yeah, they're the Navy. So I want to join the Navy because at least it's like Star <laughs> Trek. I'm not going to. Let's get assigned to the Enterprise, but I think they decommissioned the Enterprise recently. But they're building a new one now. Oh, there will always a be one. a ship yes. named Enterprise. <laughs> they're always yes. Yeah, that's what fantastic. they. That's what it says. Um, for me, this episode, the what you were referring to, which is um, you know, chain of command. To me, it seemed like it all led up to Picard confronting his torturer. That was the whole. I mean. You put you put Beverly in the mission. You throw Warfid, but they really don't do anything except they get away, and Picard is captured. And the whole sequence between his torturer, which was Gull, uh, what's his name again? Is it Golemek? Gull, yes, Gull. I call him uh, Oh gosh, Gorkos. yeah. <laughs> the, the, Same actor. The, the Same actor. Different character. But the conversations yeah. they had. And getting at how Picard turns the tables on him. It, it's, it was just, it was absolutely, plus, of course, the mm -hmm. actor who played him, David Werner. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, there, he's played that character. He was in another Star Trek movie. Three. Or he was, he he was, was in two. He was in Star Trek yep. five. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, as yep. a human. Star Trek ambassador. Five. He also played Jack the Ripper in Time After Time. And he also played Bob Cratchit as well. And he does it so well. So when he was when he was telling Picard, how many lights do you see? And Picard kept saying, I see four. And he says, no, there's five. And at the very end, at the end of the episode, when he's with Troy and he said, I would have said five if he oh. didn't know that he was getting it was so so it's like the whole episode because i mean he turns over the enterprise 
he gets the enterprise back from Jellico. And it's like, no big deal. Hey, you screwed everything up. You made everybody angry, but it's okay. We're all but he cool. saved the day. Yeah. He did. Yeah. But I just I just think that, that the whole thing just built up for just that one yeah. sequence in the that film or the episode. David Warner as that Cardassian, his that his actual mm. name in the episode escapes me. It's definitely Gaul something. I thought it was we Gollumek. know that. Okay, we're looking this up. It could be Gollumek. Yeah. yeah, look it up. Um and and what I'd like to do is actually get into question one, because we we um, watched or reminisced and read about Best of Both Worlds, Part One and Two, which is where Picard, um, the Borg comes full throttle at Earth, and Picard actually gets captured and assimilated into the Borg and becomes their mouthpiece. In my opinion, the greatest cliffhanger in television history. Um, humbly, but boldly, yeah, I, I, so. I, I announced that family, which is after that, where he came home and interacted with his brother and family. And, and then the inner light, which is a very famous and very popular next gen episode where, uh, the enterprise encounters a type of satellite, um, or probe and Picard is knocked unconscious, but he actually lives a whole lifetime, um, on this planet that is dying and his character is trying to be a part of helping them launch this probe we find out at the end but he's actually in his mind and heart lived this whole lifetime so yep 80 so years or something wake up mm-hmm. or maybe less than tra- that but. talk about being a, a type of trauma um to adjust to that and then the chain of command, which we've been speaking about, Star Trek mm-hmm. Generations, we spoke about, and a little bit about First Contact, but we'll get there. But so what, what I, I want to ask you guys, I'm very interested, is which specific one of these traumas between being assimilated by the Borg, captured and tortured by the Cardassians, or living a whole lifetime, and then realizing it was only a few short minutes, would, in your opinion, be harder to overcome? And why? And there, there is no right or wrong. This is just, this is just, you know. We'll get to other leadership stuff here, but I'm just curious. What, what, what would if you had to pick one? I'd say the inner light for me, like because I was rewatching it today, and I had not considered the fact that not only is he living an entire lifetime that was just a few minutes, but he spends the first, I think, five years being told that he's not Captain Picard and no one believes him. So not only do you have the trauma of living this whole lifetime, but you're also being told for an extended period of time that you're no longer the person you think you are. And everybody kind of thinks you're just making it up. And then you finally adjust and then you wake up and realize, okay, this whole lifetime was just in my mind. And I was trying to debate like, because obviously being tortured is really awful too, but I, get the impression that we as humans can under can connect more to being tortured where, but if you're talking to someone who's lived another lifetime in only 25 minutes, no one can relate to that. There is no common reference. So, but it's hard. It really is. You know, that's a really interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of, of it in that way, but I wouldn't have chosen inner light because I see the inner light as, and this might just be, I feel like this is uh, not terribly unique, but that was a gift. I mean, yes, it might've been hard. Uh, it's hard to deal with initially, hard to deal with after it over, but he got to live another life with another family. To me, that's still, that's still a gift, a hard gift, but I, I don't even feel that that necessarily even, you know, 
elevates to, to trauma, I feel like it's just hard because there are normal parts of life that we deal with losing family, uh, things like that. So he, you know, he went through and, but, but he had this gift of this whole other lifetime and he had still had his life to, to come back to. Um, so I would have, I think I still would have pictured, uh, picked the chain of command and being captured and tortured by the Cardassians over the Borg, probably only because of the time and intensity. While I feel like the Borg, yep. I, but but then, yeah. you know, I, maybe the intensity yeah. is, I don't know. I, I struggle between those two. And that's tough because the problem with the Borg is like, yes, it was very short, but he did actively kill mm -hmm. like all of those people. And even though he wasn't responsible, he still yeah. knows what he did. So it's, it's so hard to say like, what's worse being tortured for three days or being kidnapped by a cybernetic race. It's like they're being both kidnapped awful, and used to destroy, you know? Yeah. yeah. And used to destroy to the point where even your buddy Cisco is like, Hey, I don't like you. Not yeah. Buddies, and may but, maybe that is, is yeah. the worst one for that yeah. reason, because even though he was tortured by it was Gull Madrid, uh, Lamech, ah, Lamech yes. was the other yep. Cardassian that came to negotiate with with mm -hmm. Jellicoe. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I was almost okay. right. I remembered a, <laughs> a name, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, but it was still personal, you know. So it was contained to himself, especially even though they tried to be like, oh yeah, we killed, you know, Worf and we killed, or you know, we've got Beverly Crusher, we're gonna hurt her. They didn't, mm -hmm. you know. So, so he didn't have anything to deal with other than his, himself. So, yeah, okay, for. Org. But it's the arms though that I worry about okay. that stress me out, and all that all of that torture is just the fact that he has to like sleep with his arms up, and it's like how mm -hmm. how does that feel for that prolonged time? Steve, how about you? I'm in I'm in agreement with Adina. I I go with chain of command, and I go with not only was he psychologically tortured, he was physically tortured, and he was told lies when, like you said, when he was told that you know Worf was killed, or you know like that. Well, he doesn't know. He's he does he has no idea what he's being told. Is it lie or the truth? The same as about the lights and and the indignity of you know. I mean, they strip him. He's naked. He's he's left out there. He's hanging like meat, and then having to deal with that. But now, as far as the Borg thing goes, as you mentioned, Chris, yeah, that goes into um, first contact, where he's still tortured at the beginning of first contact and that tortures him even in that step that film where he wants revenge revenge for what they did to him in the best of both worlds and and the fact that yeah they used his mind against the the federation to destroy and kill all his these people that we you know we we do know we or don't know but still so i put that in as as far as you know the um inner light to me it's kind of like watching it's a wonderful life with george bailey <laughs> that's, is that's given a good, for, that's a, good. for a short that is time a good another life and he realizes what i had before is better than what i could possibly have going forward and it was really just more of a message in a bottle that he was receiving because was that his life or the life of uh cayman and if it was the life of Cayman, it wasn't his to begin with. He was just being told a story, and he was he was the main character in that story, if that's what it was. 
Very interesting. You guys took mm-hmm. that in a different direction than I was anticipating, which is fantastic. Um, for for me, I the why I included the inner light just by means of of explanation is I, I, first of all I think it's an interesting contrast to what he goes through with in generations with the loss of his own family. I kind of wish he maybe there would have been some sort of reference to his experience with this probe um, in in how that kind of maybe seeded even greater desire to have familial connection of some kind and how important that was to him. Because mm-hmm. I've never really, I guess to a degree they talk about it or, or kind of hint at uh, of all of the trauma, if if you guys even are even, I, I might be the only one wanting to call this a type of trauma, but um, I think it is. But um, mm-hmm. uh, so it's two against two. We're kind of well, even. We'll go best at three. Well, let but, me let uh, me ask you. But, uh, but well, different... finish the thought, then let me ask you a okay, question okay. about that. But oh, okay, I have a follow up question <laughs> after your follow up question. <laughs> so so what I'm what I'm getting at is like Picard here. He's he's living all of these things. He's he's enduring. You know, he he endures the however many years where he's trying to hold on to his life on the Enterprise. Finally, he releases that. He falls in love with this woman. Um, they have he has they kids. have kids together. Um, even though it's a life where where they have to wear sunscreen all the time when they go outside and wear hats. So do we. <laughs> their planet, right? Their planet. Well. Yeah, but it's not in the next gen they don't. You know, they've yeah. conquered sure, the, sure. how to do sunscreen, right? Um, but, uh, you know, it's, the planet's dying. He's living through the trauma of a planet dying and eventual death for him and his family and his village and his whole world. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, like when I saw, when he awakes, um, I'm I'm like, as I thought about this this week, like, man, that would be, you know, he's got to overcome again. Oh, wait, that was a dream. And I, I kind of felt like, where I think the show fell flat on this episode or a follow-up episode would have been nice to maybe talk about that um, a little bit deeper. Cause this is an instant in my opinion, in Trek where they, le- they just leap past this, that he yeah. lived an entire lifetime and then was shocked again to find out, Hey, the enterprise actually is his real life. Um, mm-hmm. And how that, maybe would have changed his perspective on something. Well, I guess the, the difference is, and, and I also say this from a perspective of in, in real life, in our real lives, I've never, I've had bad things happen to me. You know, I've, my, my father mm-hmm. died. I've had some illness, you know, I've had bad things happen, but I wouldn't describe anything that I've lived through in real life to be trauma where I'm not suffering from uh, PTSD. And, and also just, I want people to, to know that while we might be uh, in some ways, sometimes making light of what Picard went through, he's a fictional character. Right. Yeah, and it, this right. is not translate. I <laughs> yeah. have, I have friends who have some serious, like real PTSD. Yes. So making light of a fictional character talking this fictionally doesn't translate to how I feel about this by, you know, Real. Okay. But that mm-hmm. said, um, you know, why is, why would you consider what he went through inner light and put inner light on the list of traumatic experiences and not tapestry and, and not tapestry, um, you know, when he goes through with Q, but like his heart was impaled. 
he in all again this is the future they've got different technology but mm. like that's a pretty much a near-death experience getting your heart impaled and now you have an artificial you're living with an artificial heart for the rest of your life i i would put that on a, but now again so what's the difference between something that is traumatic versus just something bad that happens that you get past and i say this i had mm-hmm. it, so right. again in question. my real life i i haven't had anything happen that i would consider trauma but i was hospitalized i was internally bleeding and didn't know what was going to happen you know like so but to me i look back at that mm-hmm. experience in my real life that i don't have ptsd after that it was just something bad that happened so where's the line and again mm-hmm. talking about it is even though i'm mentioning my real life we're really talking about fictional stuff um i don't want anyone to think that i don't take this seriously in real life. I really, really, really do. But I also have no personal experience in real life. So can can I, can I add something in and what you were saying about real life versus Mm -hmm. because remember these actors are acting, whatever the writers Mm -hmm. write for them. That too. And it was very interesting and very interesting because back when the show was airing, I went to an event the television and radio museum where they had the actors from star trek the next generation on the stage and we actually watched the best of both worlds episode one uh, the first episode before they were interviewed and afterwards they're being interviewed and the audience is allowed to ask questions and people would stand up and they'd say oh oh uh patrick stewart do you think you and beverly will ever fall in love and patrick would lean over and look over at rick berman and say rick (laughs) well and then somebody would say oh 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 jordy 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 do you think you'll ever regain your eyesight and he'd lean over and he'd say rick and we would go well you know we're 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 thinking and exploring that storyline we we're not certain yet but we'll let you know people started to they were thinking that the characters the actors were driving the story but it's the writers so when we're watching these episodes and we're considering that these are still all written to develop an, a certain emotional feeling or a reaction from the audience, and that's what we're doing right now. We're talking about like your own personal experience, mm-hmm. Adina, and how it's relatable to this. And I think that's, you know, that's where these, these episodes touch us in a special way. I really think that that's a good segue into question number two. And Chris, I'll let you answer mm-hmm. first, okay? Um, is do you think the writers handled and let's let's go ahead and throw the whole series in there okay if you if we want to because there are other ep- i mean certainly final other episodes with <laughs> we all exactly and, and i love too. like again i'm blown away by the fact that you know just fiction and writing and storytelling we can pull different things because i look i do really look at inner light and go man they just didn't explore what that? Yeah, what type yeah. of trauma that could have been for Picard to still, you know, because they really had him jump right back into the, his role as Captain Picard. And I don't think it would have well, been that easy. Well, but that's where. Well, so yeah, I oh, haven't. Go, go ahead. Well, like, well, ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, you can go ahead. But that's where it, folks. it, you know, blurs into you know real life. In real life, after the Borg, he was he would have been done as a captain. He would never have been back on duty after what happened with the right. Borg. That's mm-hmm. why this Very is true. this is a TV show. <laughs> this is science fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. Chris, you've you've been you've been like just ready to 
add to this the last few minutes, but go ahead if there's any statement you want to make even about what we talked about a minute ago, but also how do you think overall the Star Trek writers, um, and, and maybe it's for Captain Sisko, maybe it's for Janeway, any any, any of the characters really, do, do you think that they handled trauma well? And, and maybe even the PTSD stuff and... Did, did we get a good portrayal of that anywhere in Trek? So I have a few things. One, I want to bounce back to g- generations. And because I was watching Inner Light today, as I keep saying, and I was thinking, it occurred to me when this was a missed opportunity when Picard was in the Nexus, why wasn't his inner family light, or sorry, his inner light family there? It should have been inner light family with his, with his nephew. Um, so that's one thing that kind of bothered me. And I have to say with, with Picard and Inner Light, I don't think they handled that trauma well because if you look at DS9 and and O'Brien goes through a very similar oh goodness, experience yes. where he where he experiences living in prison for 20 years to only find out that it's only, you know, it's been 20 minutes and he has PTSD that he sort of works through in the episode, but they do a really good job of that. Um and one thing, just bringing up Picard, I think Picard did a really good job of exploring it where there's an episode where he's having a conversation with Seven and he says, you know, I I still have to work through this and basically every day of my life I have to fight to be human or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And as a viewer of all of Trek, I could see that by the time you get to first contact, he's still working through the trauma, but then you get the impression that he kind of solves it at the end and then just never referred to again in any of the later movies and for me as a viewer it was like it took picard the series picard for me to go oh wow he's still been dealing with it all this time he's never gotten over it so i don't think tng did the best didn't handle it the best with with trauma whereas i think they got a lot better with ds9 where you could see cisco's arc and the fact that even emissary part one actually the whole episode he starts off pretty traumatized works through his pain with the prophets and they're like, you've got to acknowledge how traumatized you are. And he sort of heals at the end of that episode, but then you can see him to continue to heal and work through the trauma of losing his wife throughout the series. I, I don't think that they could have done the inner light family in the Nexus, you know, cause what we were saying about making that movie for both the fans and for a new audience, that would have been too much. So, so again, from a pure mm-hmm. right, I, I think, Forgetting the fact that this is uh, written for a, an audience, you know, so they have to consider right, what yeah. people want to see. Yes, I think the his inner light family might have actually been the family that he saw in the Nexus, but because it was a movie mm-hmm. for you know that they couldn't do it would have just been like who's this why are they here and only us Star Trek fans would have would have understood. But isn't the the like the whole British like nineteenth century colonial? aspect more confusing like why are they well that was a little confusing anyway because i don't necessarily know that that was is like that was kind of i think they're just playing off of the fact that it's his accent and so he's british so yeah you know (laughs) because i thought that was a little bit weird because i don't think that really fit in with uh captain picard you know but but they did come back to the inner light a little bit in the episode lessons right yeah they you did. know with yeah. the woman who he was you know starting to have a relationship with and he revealed you know his flute and he revealed why so i mean it's not completely gone from him you know it, it's not but yeah it's not completely gone and i love what you said adina too like this is a tv show and they've got many show. right i mean 
get get a life right i just i just heard that that skit from shatner saturday night live uh, the, uh some news program was talking about how iconic that whole whole mm-hmm. time he did that saturday night live but i i think it is a good point in in television is different show like star trek especially the next generation they were eager to tell as many different type of star trek stories as possible right and yeah. so it probably did limit how they could go back and forth because i know there's so many storylines or characters that i remember next gen fans still to this day will say why didn't they have do more with this character I why, didn't they have, why didn't they live go back here but then with so space yeah right with d space nine television was just starting to change a little bit um and i really i mean i really i think i mentioned before d space nine is really a front runner forerunner for a longer progression of stories that you had to follow up each week to you had to stay up to date and that was difficult because that was before you know we had dvrs and people in netflix and things where you mm-hmm. could binge watch you had a cassette tape or you know you had to be there to, or set it to record very cumbersome and clunky but um, I think D Space Nine, they could maybe come back and forth and why maybe they had some deeper character development, oh, in my yeah. opin- opinion, was because they they set it up, the show up, to be able to do that. I think Voyager, mm-hmm. as we've been talking, um, I think they did a pretty good job with Seven of Nines coming out of being a Borg. Like, they really explored that in, in her try- really trying to learn life all over again and how to interact so that was interesting. So that's my one. That's another thing about Voyager, which bugs me. But they they nailed seven. Seven was perfect. Same with the doctor. But I think the problem was they put so much effort and storylines into seven and the doctor and Janeway that they just kind of forgot about everybody else. And even Robert Beltran at one point was just like, I'm going to try and do a really bad job in the show because I'm not getting anything. And the actors, the writers aren't giving me anything because it's all going towards those three. So it's like, but when it just, it makes it frustrating when you see how well DS9 is able to handle everybody. When you look at TNG, even though I know TNG, I think the writers like Ronald D. Moore has talked about trying to push the boundaries, but being told by the studio, no, it has to be very self-contained. Right. Right. So those are some of those mm-hmm. challenges. I mean, it's all of it signs of the times. I mean, if you, yeah. you could even go back to the original series and look at what Kirk went through. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, he was split in half. I mean, like there is like all these things, yeah. but there's that they were at the time single episodes and done. You know, here's your episode, you're done. You know, yeah, right. that's true. And, and that's the and that's the thing where it gets, you know, the old single episodes is you have a problem, you have the situation. And then for some reason, in the last five minutes, it's mm-hmm. solved, yeah. you know? It's solved. And I do um, like, one thing I love about the original series, which I mm-hmm. wish they'd bring back, is how no matter how tragic the episode is or how horrifying it is, they always just, like, there's three of them on the bridge, and they're just quipping, they're making jokes, mm-hmm. and then they sail away, and everything's yeah. fine. There is something mm-hmm. charming yeah. and, and really reassuring and comforting about that. Oh, yeah, and, for and sure. I, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's cheesy. It's not real life all the time. But what's mm-hmm. great about it is I think it does show that perseverance matters mm-hmm. and that working through stuff and continuing to push through against all the hard odds um, being stacked against you, like there, there is, I believe, like, like the destination is there. Like 
if if you work hard, if you do your best, if you receive help from where you need help in your life, um, especially from the point of a leader, you know, mm -hmm. um, a good leader is going to surround themselves with accountability and with people they can mm -hmm. trust to share mm -hmm. where they're what they're going through what their hurt and pain is what what their struggles are what they feel they're failing at as a leader that's that that i think we just see it's the difference of the era of television mm -hmm. in what they were allowed to address and of course i mean honestly we know a ton more about ptsd now mm -hmm. than we did mm -hmm. when the original star trek um, was airing. We yeah. know a ton about it from when Next Generation aired mm -hmm. and even Deep Space Nine. And so mm -hmm. I, I think we also have to keep that in mind uh, when we talk about it's just a TV show. But I think, well, you know. And they put Picard through, they, they gave him everything. I mean, like they put him through everything. Times Squared, where he met his future self that, you know, saw the destruction oh, of the yeah, Enterprise. But he felt like, why would he abandon his ship? And yeah. he really hated him yes. and did not want to speak to him. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, like they put him through and oh, Sarek. So he mind melts with Sarek and has to get all of Sarek's like 200 years oh, of baggage. Scene. Yeah. Great. Great acting. In yes. That, that was, I love that, that episode. episode. Did, you know, I, oh, I thought mm -hmm. this recently, the only time we see Sarek in, in an episode, forget the movies, but in an episode, he's ill. All, I think three episodes that we see Sarek, we see him once in the original series and he's got his heart condition. We see oh, him in the right. episode Sarek. Um, oh, and Baker's coming back. Can I just say that? I'm excited. Cool. Um, so we see him in the episode Sarek and he's got, you know, his issue. And then when we see him again, in unification is when he dies. So we only see him mm -hmm. ill in episodes in, in the original. I'm not, okay. Not discover. I mean, like in the original, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. original Mark yeah. Leonard yeah. Sarek. Right, right. Yes. That's interesting. I, I mean, it's that. drama. I think yeah. it's really again. You have but, to. People have to have problems in drama to make the the series interesting. You know, someone's got to. Sure. But, but they they did everything they could to Picard. They really did. <laughs> it's funny, You're right? Like, I don't want to bring another show because this is Star Trek. But it's like I'm. I always talk about NCIS, and I feel like they're they did a lot with Gibbs. Where when you watch it just casually, Gibbs always mm -hmm. seems like he's like totally has it. And then mm -hmm. in the last season that he was on, it was like, you could see him breaking because of all the trauma that he went through. And so it's like, mm -hmm. you, you sort of see that moment in generations where finally everything that's been happening to Picard finally comes to a breaking point where. Well, is that the, the his yeah. breaking moment in generations or his breaking moment in first contact? Oh, broke his, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. You broke yeah. your but little I mean, ship. No, it's... Right. But yes. I feel like in generations up to mm -hmm. that point, you hadn't seen him ever lose it before well, no family when he when he broke oh, down yeah, after okay. he, he fought with his brother him. yeah yeah and, and he, he broke down he's like they took everything i had you know right okay that was Disregard the first breakdown previous. yeah strike it from the record <laughs> or what's the what's the what's the court term and in generations i mean what happens to uh kirk he's has the perfect life and he gives it up and what happens at the end he's dead and might i say to me, that is the greatest death scene of all time, of Kirk, when he just at that last moment says, oh, my, because he didn't know he didn't know what death was. And he experienced it. And I thought that that was I like I, I, I enjoyed I, it. I know a lot of people great. didn't like that. His death. I, I liked it, too. I agree with Steve. What do you think, Chris? 
I, my issue is, and this is, I have this problem with a lot of the original series characters is that they all die outside. They all die alone. Like Kirk dies alone because he's with Picard. You have Spock mm-hmm. who dies in an alternate timeline. Um, I'm assuming Scotty dies. He dies, I'm assuming in the 24th century. And uh, McCoy also dies in the 24th century. So it's just, there's something that I find really distressful about like characters that we love. Then they just end up alone, not with their friends. But they had to, there had to be an end date for For the characters because they had to transition into the next type of characters. They had to go from TOS to TNG and they had to, go one way and i mean the way that they dealt with scotty mm-hmm. was beautiful that was i just wish they episodes. had just like I left mean, them in the past and it's just absolutely because he has to deal with you know he 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 put himself into space he got trapped in the in the buffer he comes out and he's like what's left mm-hmm. for me you know and so they just let him go he Got in the it's, it's a good storyline. It just bugs me. It's like, why not just have your character? Like, you don't need to always bring them back. Like, you didn't need to bring back Scotty. Why couldn't it have just been in dialogue? Okay, Scotty. Or you just assume that he, you know, died. I thought that was in the 23rd. I thought that was a great episode. I, I love that episode. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, I it. It's yeah. just, it's a good episode. But when you look at the grand scheme of where they end up, it just bugs me when I think about all the Fish other out of water that, though. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I, what I loved about relics. And I hear, I hear what you're saying too, Chris. Right. And, uh-huh. and to a degree, I can really relate or, or, or uh, agree with you is, but I mean, it was a ratings thing too. I mean, bringing Spock in was a huge, that was all over national papers, that Spock was mm-hmm. going to show up on the next generation. Um, I don't remember it being quite as huge when Scotty showed up, but it was still a big deal for Trek fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was another, I felt like it was not as, not all the way as humorous as Voyage Home, but it was a fish out of water. Another yeah. time Scotty mm-hmm. was kind of had mm-hmm. to learn yeah. how to cope. And I love that the enterprise crew in that episode after being frustrated with him a little bit, gave him space for sure, and I brought just, him in and cared about him um, to be. When, when I know. bring in my own life, though, which I always do because it's what we do, it's just when I think about my grandparents mm-hmm. passing away, my mom passing away, it's just like I'm just so thankful that we were there for her and for right. my grandparents mm-hmm. that they didn't have to die alone. They were able to die Absolutely, with their family. Yeah. And it just, yeah. I don't know, it just, it just is like, okay, well, we need ratings. We need to bring back these characters, which I get, because I like Spock in 2009. And I love the fact that he's there. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like, I wish he could have been able to die with his friends or at least, I don't know. But, but that's to be, it, it's, it's a, a fairly real scenario. A lot of people, yes, they have careers and friends through careers and don't necessarily have family. And so to yeah. me, it's a very real, real thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, Sulu mm-hmm. is, you remember in, you know, generations at the beginning, Sulu, when did he have time to, you know, have a family? And he did because for him, it was important. And so the, and none of the other rest of the main cast did. So it was very real. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, I think that, I think just real quick, and I'll let you continue. Mm-hmm. I think that line in generations really makes Kirk's experience in the Nexus even more powerful. Cause, cause he says to them, when did Sulu have time for a family, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so we get a future, a glimpse into where that's going to happen in there for Kirk, where he goes, mm-hmm. ah, I, I want that too. But Kirk doesn't, ha- again, but Kirk, 
yes, he has a significant other portion of the family, which he effectively that's gives true. up that's to true. go back to Starfleet because that's who yeah, he yeah. is. It's and I don't think he he's not the one living with the regret of the kids and the carrying the family on. Picard is the one with that regret. You know, Kirk is just kind of yeah. like he's what what you know Scotty says. You know, you know, finding retirement a little lonely. He's lonely. He's not regretful in a way that we're seeing that Picard might actually be right. regretful. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. Can we? Um, we're, we've yeah, deviated. Yeah, I didn't mean to get you on a tangent on <laughs> that's that. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. It's okay. This is really good. This is really great discussion so far, guys. This is this is relatively deep. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. This is this is great. This is exactly what mm-hmm. I was hoping would happen. Um, what are what are other because we are the big sci-fi podcast and this has been a pretty darn heavy trek <laughs> uh, episode. Um, what is there any other examples of trauma that maybe sticks out to you or it, let, let's even broaden it a little bit because because we're also talking about leadership skills and and how mm-hmm. Captain Picard led um, through this trauma. Are there any other examples that have stuck out to you guys in the sci-fi world? Um, in particular, and of course, we're always open to mention anything we want to because it's our podcast, but in the sci-fi world, what is there any other uh, stories or um, examples of that that you can think of that might be interesting? Oh, see, for me, Obi-Wan Kenobi comes to mind just because I'm in the Star <laughs> Wars room of mine where he is the whole trauma of losing all of his all of his companions, all of the Jedi, and then having to lose Anakin mm-hmm. and then realizing that he should have actually probably killed him at the time and so there's just a lot of a lot of that i think that's a great example again i'm just like really into star wars right now that's good um for me i made a notation which i mentioned is that i had to go and watch segments from the william shatner film the, the, the captains because in real life these actors these people suffered to be able to play the characters yeah. they were. Patrick Stewart had two failed marriages while the show was in, in series. And he regrets those. He regrets that he allowed the work to be more important. And he also had to learn while he was making the show to take the stick out his butt yeah. <laughs> and have some fun in life. And he learned that from them. And now when you see Patrick Stewart now, He's the happiest son of a gun you ever see. I've seen him on when he's on with his friend Stephen Colbert, and they have the most fun. He's hilarious because he realized, you know, it doesn't have to be all serious British actor acting. And then Kate McGrew, you know, she had to give up her children while she was making the show, and she was so regretful that that put a gulf between her and her children. So. And, you know, we, we look at these as, you know, these characters and they're just, you know, what their characters go through. But in real life, they really did s- suffer in some may- way or not. And that may have affected them in how they portrayed their characters on the show. Interesting. How about, yeah. how about you, Adina? I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't know why my, my brain is drawing. Uh, some, I'm, I'm really stuck in Trek land right now. So, Yeah. The only, yeah, the only other thing I would think of, uh, I can think of, and I don't know if it really is, it's probably more fantasy than sci-fi, not that it matters for the purposes, but I'm a huge fan Mm. and I recently finally finished uh, the series Lucifer. 
Oh yeah. I love it. That's been my, um, that's been the the reason why it took me so long to finish Mm -hmm. it is I've only allowed myself to watch it while I'm on my treadmill, walking on my treadmill. (laughs) So I, I only recently finished it. And, um, in talking about like how, you know, trauma affects people, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, but I think there is a, a good, tie in it, especially at the end in the final episode when, when Lucifer finally has his major like realization, you know, his massive breakthrough, which happens in the last episode. Oh, I need to watch that. Oh, I know Lucifer was in DC legends of tomorrow. Oh, actually we was on mm-hmm. the CW shows that Lucifer, their... the same, same iteration. Yeah. The Lucifer? same character and the same actor mm-hmm. was like in the crisis of on, in... no, sorry. Is it crisis on infinite earths or in mm-hmm. infinite earths? That crisis series. He was there. Mm-hmm briefly which yeah. was really cool but I need, I, to, don't, I need to get on that yeah i don't want to say any more for people who who haven't gotten to that part because i think the the big reveals at the end are really kind of cool and interesting but um mm-hmm. yeah and that's only because it's just recently in my my head <laughs> oh and actually can i add one more two more people sure, i would say sure. well i yeah i don't know how superheroes that they relate their science fiction but like oliver queen and the flash are like they go through so much drama on those shows just talking about the CW shows mm-hmm. every week. It's like, Oh no. Okay. I got to work through it. I Rely mean, if you think, team. if you think about science fiction, I mean, I think you can, you can reasonably assume that any science fiction that has a military or war, you know, the people involved in that are going to suffer some kind of trauma. Um, you know, sure. uh, yeah. It's the whole basis of the alien yeah. invasion stories. I mean, there's always, you know, I mean, you had the original War of the Worlds, but then you had the Tom Cruise War of the right. Worlds. And, you know, a lot of people don't like that one, but there's the scene where Tom Cruise is trying to relate to his child, and all he can do is sing, sing a Beach Boys song in the movie. And it's an absolutely beautiful scene because he doesn't know how to be a parent. And then as the movie progresses, he has to protect these, his children from an alien invasion. And he also has to accept the fact that he allows his son to go off to fight the aliens when that's the last thing he wants to allow it to happen. So, yeah, you know, that it, it's the basis for mm-hmm. pretty much all, you know, uh, alien conflict yeah. films. But I feel like you can, yeah, you'll, you'd be able to find it anywhere just because the nature of fiction is to have drama yeah and drama involves bad things happening <laughs> if bad things are mm-hmm. not happening then it might be comedy well comedy, comedy is still bad things happening yeah. to people <laughs> it's just uh, you, you can think, laugh at it <laughs> well if we're talking about comedy and science yep. fiction do you mm-hmm. think i can't think of the character's name but tim allen's character in galaxy quest do you think he was traumatized oh. well not really but i guess struggling with the fact that he was successful and then you know, it was really, I, yeah. from what I remember, he's quite depressed in the movie, mm-hmm. right? He is, especially when he's in, in the bathroom and he hears the kids laughing about him and he realizes, then he comes back out and he starts signing the autographs in anger and, <laughs> yes, and they start, they, we have a question scene. for you, I have a question for you. It's just a TV show, damn it. Don't <laughs> right, you understand? Right, yeah. It's just a TV show. It's Great. just a TV show. I, uh... yeah. We're going to have a Galaxy Quest episode. It is inevitable. Oh, for sure. My friends, oh, yeah. if, if we don't cover Galaxy Quest in the near future, we're... I, I think well, we, we might, might touch a little bit next very... week, maybe. <laughs> we will. We will, Adina. We will, Adina. 
especially and and who's really good is the making of galaxy quest movie oh i've, I've got to do. see that i've seen it i've seen it's the preview. absolutely I've fantastic do it. cool it's really great you get to see the inside of what these actors were and how they truly loved alan rickman in it oh how yeah. he was like the he was the obi-wan gotcha oh. he was he he was he was like also how they felt about Andre the Giant in The Princess Bride, how they just mm-hmm. loved him. So yeah, I'm sorry to get off. It, on it's that. okay. Sorry, this, okay. Uh, our tangents mm-hmm. oftentimes are wonderful mm-hmm. on this podcast, if yeah. you ask me. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's kind of end the podcast on a we've we've been really personal, I think, to a mm-hmm. large degree this episode. Um, but uh, is is there anybody in our own lives? that has inspired us. And this can be someone we actually know that we've actually interacted with, had experience with, or it can be someone we don't know, but they have inspired us through their great leadership, their entrepreneurship, um, you know, um, whatever effort they're in, whatever it is. Um, is there someone that has really impacted you guys positively through their leadership um, where they're either a personal hero or that you're like, I want to be like them or more like them, or man, they helped really push me farther into where I'm at today, um, in a positive way and inspired me. Let's start with Adina. So I, I can't speak to, I don't think there's just one person, but I can, sure, I sure. can think of certain moments where individuals have said things to me, uh, like in my career, like I, I, there was a particular VP who said some encouraging or not encouraging, but useful words. Like when I took a, a new role a couple of years ago, he's like, do this, make sure you do this, you know? So there've been several instances like that, but uh, you know, really I do come back to thinking about Star Trek when I, when I do think about my, my day job and how I lead um, you know, when we were talking about relics a few minutes ago, I often tell people how, one of the things I love about that episode is we do see the different styles of engineering management <laughs> between Scotty and LaForge, especially when, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, LaForge is like, I told him it'll be ready in a couple hours. And Scotty's like, well, how long is it going to really take? Yeah, and Jory's like a couple hours. And Scotty's like, oh, you didn't tell him how long it really is going to take. And that's actually. You did not tell him how long it yes. would really take, did you? And that's something, you know, that kind of <laughs> trying to build in some conservatism is something that I've always attempted to do in, in my job. And so there are a lot mm-hmm. of incidents like that. And I cite that one mm-hmm. a lot because that one happens to come up pretty frequently uh, with what I do. So I, I actually start, I, I actually cite leadership lessons from Star Trek quite a bit. It's. It's funny. Can I build off of Jordy for a second? Yeah. There's a very brief moment in first contact where he's not leading so much, but when Picard says, Jordy, I need, you need to, can you get an away team together and go down and do this? And he's like, yep, LaForge here, no problem. I've always, as a kid, I was always impressed that he had no issue with like, not that it was going to be like awful for him to do, but there was no groaning. And I've always just, Whenever a boss asks you to do something, I've taken that lesson. Just don't groan. Don't complain about it. Just don't say, like sure, dwarf. no problem, and go do it, even if it's like, really, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And it was just something that, like, as a five-year-old that I connected with instantly mm-hmm. when I saw the movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, cool. I know um, there have been some gripes and complaints over the years uh, about some of the stuff with Jordy, like, as a um, – you know, with, with women and his issues there, but uh, put that aside and just yeah. focus on his career and his engineering. Um, that to me has been, uh, you know, 
like I said, as a fellow engineer and fellow team leader of engineers, um, you know, I, I do take a lot of stuff from, from him, from Scotty, and then all, all the leaders in, in Trek. I don't think I answered your question. <laughs> you did just fine. Um, mm-hmm. And so, Chris, how about you? You, you kind of answered it with Jordy there. Is there anybody? Well, I mean, if I'm looking at just like fictionally, like it's hard because so much of Trek is I always think about when I want to be a leader and when I'm leading. It's like, well, what would Picard do? It's a combination of what would Picard do and what would my mom do? Just because like I've never actually seen her like working, but like I've heard the way she talks about her team and the way when because she was a vice principal for a long time and just the way she would really try to help her team and encourage people. Um, she was a teacher for a long time and she always tried to figure out what students needed, like that were really challenged and had a lot of difficulty. And she'd always try to work with them to help them succeed much like the way Picard was just like to Jordy. Hey, I know you guys don't like Barkley, but you know, just work that out, elevate them. Right. And don't um, call him yeah. broccoli. And broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, how about Chris? That's a beautiful tribute to your mom there. Um, mm-hmm. What What about you, Steve? Well, in real life, there are too many people to mention. My wife, my two daughters, my uh, a guy at the Children's Hospital named Jim O'Connor, who inspired me to become ultimately to become the number one platelet donor at Children's Hospital because I saw what he did. But really, the the character in fiction that stands out that is that I, I live my life to be like that person, because when I was eight years old and my mom said, I want you to watch this movie. And it was it's a wonderful life. And I said, why? She goes, because I want that to be you. And I have in my entire life always looked back as George Bailey did. And wonder, what would my life, what would the world be like without, if I didn't exist? And then you realize just how much you've contributed and how much you've done and how you've impacted all the people you've met. And if you never met them, how would you, what would they end up been like, what their lives have been like? And so to me, I mean, it's a fictional character was written, you know, it, it, often it's, you know, looked upon corny or whatever, but to me, really, it's, you know, we look back and we say, you know, we're, we, we, we're not just, we're not only inspired by people, but we, ins- we inspire people as well. And I think that's our greatest contribution in life is how we, how we affect other people along our, our path. Yeah. Wasn't that philosophical? Yeah. You know what? That that's <laughs> that was beautiful. Beautiful, my friend. And and also It's a Wonderful Life is one of the greatest films ever made in my opinion. But I'll mm-hmm. I'll leave that for a, another discussion. Um yeah. uh you know, I, I've had, uh, like all of us, you know, there's so many people that do affect us and do inspire us, both yeah. in fiction, in real life, people we know, people we just know of. Um, we see mm-hmm. what they do, um, how they live, um, how hard they work, and it inspires us, right? And I, I will never, I've had so many of that. My parents um, certainly have had a big influence in my life. Um, different musical heroes, too, uh, for being a music guy and a songwriter. I, that just, mm-hmm. I go, man, I just, I love the way they do stuff and I, and I want to be like them and they make me want to be better. And they, in even though they don't know who the heck I am, 
because of their contributions to this world in their art, it does inspire me. And I think that's one of the purposes of art is to inspire in a fiction mm -hmm. and a storytelling is to inspire. Um, and it's even made more marvelous when people in real life kind of exceed our expectations, just go above and beyond and do things extraordinarily well or, or work through mm -hmm. fumbling through something to where they finally get to, you know, the end result is extraordinary. And so it's so inspiring. And I, there's one incident I just want to briefly mention where um, I was in Utah doing a concert in the round. There were five or six of us songwriters sharing our original music. And um, I knew all the other artists there because we were all locals there. Uh, they were fantastic musicians. And I kind of saw myself as the amateur of the group, okay? And mm -hmm. they would do their songs, and I would be in awe, right? I would practically bow down to them after they would do their song, you know, and just go, man, I wish I was as good as them, you know? And different styles portrayed. And then I would do my song, and I would, through the whole concert, I was basically dogging myself as a musician. Like, you know, I'm, I'm still working on this song. It's not quite as good as what they just did. And I, you know, they've got more, you know, this and that. And I just, just at the end of the concert... Um, one of the fellow musicians um, came over and he was actually, he was in, he was kind of professional. He was doing some amazing recordings and actually making money doing music in the area. Um, he came up to me and he said, Brian, he said, I really wanted to punch you all through that, con you know, real, real inspiring. You know, this guy was really inspiring from the start, but he's like, man, I just, I wanted to come over and smack you around and tell you to knock it off. He said, you need to hear that your music is just as good as anything I did tonight and any, as good mm -hmm. as anybody else did tonight, but you just kept beating yourself up, acting like you didn't deserve to be on the stage. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he said, man, it was really pathetic, and I wanted to come over and just take a minute to tell you to stop, that you got to believe in yourself more. And he said, mm -hmm. and the number one thing you need to hear is that you're not supposed to be like me, man. You're not supposed to be like any of these other people on this stage. You do you, and you be you, and you do it to the best of your ability, and stop comparing yourself. And he said, do that your whole life. Don't just do this tonight and stop doing it with us. But, man, you've got a, you've got a gift that is plenty good. Believe in it. Work on it. Get better. But, man, you're going to inspire people. But stop dogging mm -hmm. yourself. And quit comparing mm -hmm. yourself. That was that. one of the, yeah. that is that, and even to this day, as a leader uh, in in church ministry that I am, I I do I compare myself to other people, and I have mm -hmm. to have occasionally another really great leader come up to me and say, um, "Hey, man, you got to believe in yourself. Just go for it," mm -hmm. you know. And I think a good leader does that for other people. A good leader says to the people under them. You don't have to do things exactly like me. In fact, I prefer you don't. I mm -hmm. prefer that you bring your uniqueness and your talent and your unique perspective to the table because it's that mm -hmm. mosaic that really makes us beautiful. I don't, I don't want a bunch of cloned Brian Donahue's. For crying out loud, the world, my own family only needs one of me, <laughs> um, you know? <laughs> and so this, this mosaic we have is in this human experience, to quote Star Trek, um, mm -hmm. you know? is really what we need to strive for and especially when it comes to leadership and all the trauma we go through just in life 
um, it, it's really important that we be ourselves and that we embrace that, but we also do that in a way that inspires others to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's important to me. Boy, I will say this, Brian, if ever we can do anything in this website, excuse me, I'm sorry, in this podcast, and that is to have these types of discussions that just get steps out of science fiction and steps into real life. Um, I think we've accomplished a wonderful thing. And, uh, and so whenever we talk about our own personal experiences, personal feelings, and how it applies to science fiction, um, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to bring out the, the real story of life. And, um, and, and, um, and for me, and I was, I mentioned this to, to Brian, you folks, but um, I, I, I have to say this. Um, and this is something I should have done with last week's podcast. Um, last week, the science fiction universe lost a great man, Douglas Trumbull. If you don't know, he was the magic behind the scene for such films as 2001, Star Trek, the motion picture, Close Encounters, Blade Runner, 1984, excuse me. However, his greatest accomplishment was his own film, Silent Running. It came out in 1972, and I saw it as a double bill with the Andromeda strain. Talk about your environmentalism. And the film touched me for that environmental story, a remarkable soundtrack, and amazing special effects. But what was really special was in 2019 at the Star Trek convention, there was a roundtable discussion with Doug, Mike, and Denise Okuda and others. And after the discussion was over, there was a meet and greet with the panel members. And I got to meet Doug and offer him my thanks for making Silent Running. Not often do you get to meet a master of science fiction. And I had a chance to thank him for this and his many other accomplishments. And the nice thing was, I wasn't the only one in line doing so. Doug, thank you for your talents. And what, I'm, what I get at is, is that we, we have our own heroes in life, people that we look up to and strive. And, and often we never have a chance to walk up to them and say thank you because of what you did. And um, I think I was lucky to be able to do that. And um, the world was lucky to have a special effects man like Douglas Trumbull, who inspired so many other people to make great, great science fiction films. That was great. Yeah, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Wow. This has been, this has been enlightening and inspiring. I hope this, uh, I feel inspired by these other three people. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, your lives, your thoughts, your love and passion for sci-fi and Trek. And even that little, like we mentioned before, that little movie f- series of films called star Wars, you know, we all love that too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, alas, we must say goodbye again until next time. Um, it has been an absolute privilege uh, to be with you folks tonight. Uh, and as we record this podcast, look for new episodes every Friday at 9 a.m. Uh, through anchor.fm. And uh, you can see us on Spotify and or in Google Podcasts right now. We're working on getting on other platforms as well. Um, and you may see other ways to connect with us in the future, um, as well as we grow this podcast. Mm -hmm. So if you like 
what you hear and you enjoy the personalities and the people on this podcast, would you please do us a favor and share this, like the heck out of it, um, send it an email, share it on your social media. Tell everybody. Tell everybody you know about the, Spread the, word, the best kids. new podcast there is in podcasting today, um, the big sci-fi podcast. Uh, any closing words or just things you'd like to point people to today, folks? Just to say, please keep listening to us, and and I hope that we become your friends as much as you are our friends. All right. And uh, in our podcast notes, you can get links to everything we're doing elsewhere um, and uh, also support us that way as well. Uh, we appreciate you listening to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Join us again next week as we get together again with our favorite beverages and talk all things <laughs> sci-fi. <laughs>